Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football today. Oh, we are roaring into week number two with a marquee matchup in College Station. Clemson and Dabo Sweeney taking on Jimbo Fisher and Texas AM. Welcome to College Football Today, brought to you by Bet DSI, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Money Gabe Morenci. Gonna be with you for the next three hours. Gabe, I mean, the stage is set for a great weekend of college football. We saw TCU struggle last night. There's possible look-ahead games later today. I was concerned as somebody that laid 22.5 points uh, last night uh, with Texas Christian. You know, similar to a baseball game, if you bet on a baseball game and there's a rain delay, it always throws the, the starting pitchers out of their routines, out of their rhythm, and, you know, TCU were all fired up for the football game. I was a little bit worried about a look-ahead spot because they've got uh, the Ohio State uh, Buckeyes coming to town uh, next week. But, you know, SMU came out. They had a couple of big plays, uh, but then uh, TCU's talent uh, took over, and uh, we cashed the ticket last night, and we're off and running in the Golden Nugget Ultimate Championship Handicapping Contest. Quarter of a million dollars at stake. Seven picks a week. I'm one and oh. Let's get this thing. Wow. Rocking the FAU jersey. That's and Rusty right. Smith. They struggled Old last school. week. Rusty. Rusty. They struggled last week against Kyler Murray and Oklahoma. They struggled. Do- no, no. They, they got murdered. <laughs> <laughs> they- <laughs> Struggling is me waking up at six o'clock every morning. <laughs> FAU got murdered last week. Yeah, it's a bounce back uh, area for FAU as they play a triple option attack in Air Force today. I mean, that's the matchup that you want to see play out. I mean, I go back to that week one matchup against Navy where they allowed 419 rushing yards. They got dominated at home. Last week, they allowed over 300 to Kyler Murray and Rodney Anderson. Now face another triple option attack. They could be in upset mode here later today. I was, you know, I, I was considering taking FAU in this spot, but I just feel it's a, a few too many points. I do think they're going to respond. Remember last year, as you mentioned, Joe, they lost in week one to Navy. They lost by about uh, 22 points. And, and then in week two, they went to Madison, and they hung around, actually. They only lost by 17 at Wisconsin. And then after that, they went on that run. You know, don't give up on FAU uh, right now. That's exactly what Lane Kiffin wants you to do. I think that Kiffin knew going into this football game that they were in trouble, and it just started to snowball. <laughs> it's amazing, Joe. We were on the air, and I was worried as somebody that bet on the over. I was like, man, it's still scoreless. It's nearly the end of the first quarter. It's uh, it's it's still scoreless. By the time I got back to my room um, at uh, at the hotel. You know, I think it was like uh, 102 to nothing, but the game did go over the number. <laughs> yeah, it did. I mean, a, a dynamic offensive output by Oklahoma. They put up 650 total What yards. about today, though? Is there an overreaction? You know, 30 and a half points against UCLA. And yeah. Pretty disappointing debut for Chip Kelly last week, wasn't it? Oh, it was. I mean, their inability to stop the run. They allowed 197 rushing yards to Cincinnati. Last year, they allowed 287 to opposing offenses. Like, shouldn't UCLA have enough talent to win this game, aren't you supposed to? You're supposed to win uh, this game. They, I get it. Even you're a new coach. Mora had some talent there. Yeah, physicality on defense, their inability at the point of attack to stop the run will really dictate this ball game because you have Rodney Anderson that uh, pounded the rock for 100 yards last week. Trey Sermon added 69 and a touchdown. The speed on the perimeter. They're going to need to run the football as well, and this is an offense in UCLA over the last couple of years has been at the bottom of FBS. They were ranked 119th out of 129 teams last year, only in the area of about 121 rushing yards per game. Last year, uh, last week, they rushed for 144 against a mediocre Cincinnati defense. They're going to need a better effort today against Oklahoma to keep this game close. I still 
like Oklahoma to win the game, Gabe, but I think this is a lot closer because of Chip Kelly. They'll bounce back and maybe lose this game by about 17 to 20 later today. Our best bets uh, were pretty strong uh, last week. Uh, how about them Flames, Liberty <laughs> Flames? And it'll be interesting to see how uh, this game plays out uh, today against Army. We'll get to that game, uh, guys, uh, and, and on the program uh, this morning. Uh, but one game that cost me, and very, very similar, uh, Joe. You, you look at... You look at the Michigan and Notre Dame game, and you look at the Miami and LSU game. Uh, LSU are terrible. They don't have a chance. Orgeron doesn't know what he's doing. He eats chicken on a stick. Uh, he can't beat winning teams. You know, a bunch of uh, idiots in the media said that. You know who said that? Me. I was one of those idiots. Very, And I was worried as a Michigan fan and better that – Everybody wrote Notre Dame off in this game. Wimbush can't throw the football. He only completes 48% of his passes. Shea Patterson is the second coming of Tim Tebow and Joe Montana and Steve Young uh, combined. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is not playing around that that vaunted defense. They were unprepared from the get-go. There wasn't one aspect of the football game that the Michigan Wolverines were prepared in. Offense, defense, offensive line, defensive line, coaching. They were out-coached, and I know it's easy. I'm not one of these guys that you know goes for the low-hanging fruit and ha-ha, Harbaugh this, Harbaugh that. They lost a lot of players. Last year was a rebuilding. Uh, they were in rebuilding mode. But the excuses are starting to wear out. And, Joe, you know, they're running the ball up the middle, you know, two yards, supposed to be four yards in a cloud of dust. They're getting two yards. They rushed for 58 yards against Notre Dame. The play calling was vanilla, anemic. And then what, what does Kelly do? Goes for the jugular. Right. Comes out, throwing the ball deep down the field. Right. And that, now you got Michigan laying 28 points today, guys. I wouldn't do it. I'm a lifelong Michigan fan. Don't lay the points. You know, Michigan is, uh, they're 0-6 the last time, uh, the last six times they've laid 16 or more points on their home field. You want to do that? I wouldn't be doing it. Um, and I tell you what, Michigan better roll Western Michigan today, but I'm not laying the points in this game. Very disappointing a start for the Wolverines last week. I was with you. I thought Michigan's defense would dominate that matchup against uh, Brandon Wimbush. They looked slow. They did. And their ability to run the football in the early portion of the game really dictated the tempo in that matchup. I didn't like the way Shea Patterson played. Uh, again, when you look at his uh, I want to say scheme uh, in the pro-style offense, playing with the tight end and working off a of play action, he struggled. He needs to be more aggressive on first and second down, and Jim Harbaugh and that offense have to open it up. They have to break tendency if Michigan is going to run the table because when you look at their schedule overall, Gabe, they're not run, the only table they're running is they the buffet at the Sheridan. They still have a chance. I mean, uh, they sh- said they still have a chance. I have a chance of meeting Shakira, I guess, on thirty uh, fourth after nah, the show. You today. Think so? Not with that hat. It's on. fashion not week. With that. It's fashion week. This is how I'm rolling for fashion week. <laughs> we'll see about Shakira later today. But I, I think when you look at Michigan, I mean, they do have Wisconsin at home. They do get Trace McSorley and Penn State at home, and then they have to go on the road to face Haskins and Ohio State. If they can beat, win both of those games at home, they have an opportunity. You can't say that because they still play Michigan State. And Michigan State. They've lost Arizona. 17 consecutive I games agree. on the road to teams who are winning yes, records. They do. I, I'm not saying that they can't beat ranked teams. No, the, the cards are stacked against them, but they have the opportunity from a schedule perspective to bounce right back into this. You thing. know what a problem with me is? I, I, I'm curious of your take on this. Sure. Is the the continuous change of offensive coordinators with the Michigan Wolverines, yeah. and now they don't have an offensive coordinator. It's by committee. It's Harbaugh, Pep Hamilton, and Jim McElwain uh, right now. I mean, somebody somebody call the place. Somebody call the plays. This I don't I don't get this the by committee stuff. I, I don't understand this it's inconsistency. You need consistency, especially. It's from almost when, like Harbaugh doesn't want to put his name on it. Probably you're probably right it's like, about well, that. Well, I'm not calling the plays. Not really. It's like Harbaugh. It's getting to the point where you're responsible. If you're the manager of a company and you've trusted your employees to get the job done, but the employees aren't getting the job done, at some point in time, you're the boss. You're gonna have to roll yeah. up your sleeve and say, you know what, guys. I got to do this, otherwise we're all going to lose our jobs. And he hasn't cultivated the quarterback position since he's been there. He's gotten transfers. Jake Rudak came in a couple of years ago, and they were ten and, and three. But he finally gets Dylan McCaffrey, and then they throw the kid under the bus for Patterson. Right. Well, and I, I got to wonder, good. maybe McCaffrey was the kid. He was in the system last year. Yeah. It's going to be very uh, intriguing later today if Shea Patterson struggles. Does he go with McCaffrey early on? I can tell you this about Western Michigan: they allowed well over 200 yards rushing to Syracuse and Eric Dungey last 
last week. Yeah. That's going to be the M.O. for Higdon and Evans. If Michigan can run the football, point. I think they if have Michigan a big day. Michigan can't run for 250, 300 yards today, it's an embarrassment. And Western Michigan attacked Syracuse vertically. They got a lot of big plays in, uh, deep on deep balls. That's the strength of Michigan's defense. So we'll see how that game plays out. Again, if Michigan can run early, I like the Wolverines to bounce back and cover this number. I know you, I know you have a little bit of a bias there. I still like Michigan here in that matchup, but what I do... I don't make as much money as you do, Joe. <laughs> I, look, you're, look at the suits that you're wearing. I'm wearing an FAU you're wearing uh, jersey. Right. Yeah, I'm wearing an FAU jersey, so I can't bet on every game. I got to pick my spots. I agree with and you. And I'm picking... You know what? I'm going to be betting on another team for the state of Michigan today and not the Spartans... Uh, the Chippewas. Ooh, very, the chips yes, against Kansas. That's you, a very me, intriguing ballgame. And the lovely waitresses uh, <laughs> here at Versa at Studio 34 could uh, get, you know, if we could get 11 people together, you know, men, women, trill, children, dogs, poodles. Pit Bulls. We'll have a viewing party. For yeah, we'll cover tonight. against the Kansas Jayhawks. Well, that's the thing when you look at the look-ahead games. Ohio State plays Rutgers. They've dominated Rutgers in four straight matchups, outscored them. How about that Scarlet Knights? 219 to 24, 48.7 points per game. But they do have a pending Week 3 matchup against TCU in Arlington. We saw TCU come out flat last night. Does Ohio State struggle early on? Chris Ash has coached this talent up. I like Rutgers here. They're getting 34 and a half, 35 points. Again, Ohio State is the superior team, but do they hold a little bit back for Gary Patterson and TCU in week number three? You know what? It looked as if, though, wink, wink, that Ohio State really wanted to cover that number. They did last, last week. week. They did. And you talked about the Beavers, and props to you. You went out and you said, you know what? I think the Beavers can put enough points on the board. Four and a half. They They made some big plays, Joe. They, they did. And it was surprisingly enough, it was a telltale sign. I was a little bit surprised by that, that the Beavers, and it'll be something to keep our eye on uh, moving forward, guys. Just because, you know, you don't, you're not going to bet on every game doesn't mean we can't learn from every game. And that's, I didn't bet on that game last week, but I took notes to, to myself thinking, you know what? Looks like the Beavers have some skill position players here. They're going to be able to make plays once Pac-12 uh, play starts. We're going to be getting points with these guys. But it, it just appeared as though, with all the turmoil and everything that's going on uh, up there in Columbus, that they wanted to get that cover. Yeah, it's, it's been a bad time for the boosters recently with the wrestling stuff and Urban Meyer stuff. It's like, guys, we better cover the number here. Otherwise, we're not getting, we're not going to get that free SUV uh, lease to us this year. <laughs> That's Just a great saying point. if you know what I'm saying. That's a great point. Another possible look-ahead game in week three is a, a great battle. It's in Stillwater. Boise State and Brett Ripon traveled to take on Cornelius and Mike Gundy in that matchup within Stillwater. That's my Bo big upset. Boise you, you, State, you UConn. You called the bill. You called the bill. And I give you props for stepping up uh, in, into the batter's box. I'm calling this upset. I think Boise have the potential to run the table this year, Joe, and make some noise. I don't. They, they, they can't get in the playoff. They won't be able to get in the playoff. Uh, but I, I think they're going to be a top six, top seven team. This, this is the best team they've had up there in years. Here's the thing that I look at this week. They're, the line open Boise State at 34 over UConn. UConn got blown out at home against UCF. Didn't cover that number, but they rushed for 229 yards against UCF's defense. Now they go to Boise. Boise has Oklahoma State on deck. That, that spread opened up at 34. It's down to right in the area of 31 and a half, 32. I like Randy Edsel. I like UConn here to run the football, keep Brett Ripon on the sidelines, and I think they can cover this number. So, uh, again, you look at Boise State in recent non-conference games. They struggled last year against Virginia. They lost that matchup. They struggled against New Mexico last year. Didn't cover that number. This is a possible ripe spot for possible UConn and the points here. It is a lot of points. It is. I'm not going to – I don't want to get in front of them. I get the theory. And part of me thinks if you're Boise State, you just need to run the table. If you beat yeah. Oklahoma State next week, you're really putting yourself uh, on the map. But I, and another part of me thinks, you know, they're thinking to themselves, we really have to smash everybody. If we're going to be taken really seriously, we can't say, oh, no, but we won 38-3. No, 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 no. We, let's go out here and let's, let's kick the crap out of these guys and win 56-14. But it's a great point. To me, Joe, this, so this is week two now. And it's really the final week of dress rehearsals. Right. And, um, you know, conference play. I know some teams start a conference play out of the gate, Northwestern, Purdue, and, and pack some Pac-12 teams, et cetera. But 
Florida let's, State, let's, Virginia Tech was another yeah, one. Let's talk about Alabama. A right. good example. Alabama has Mississippi next week. Alabama gets Arkansas State uh, today. And listen, last week, Alabama, and I'm thinking to myself, guys, just give them the trophy now. Or let's say it's there's Clemson, Alabama, and everybody else, uh, basically, in my opinion. Uh, but without being stated, it doesn't mean that Alabama are going to cover every week. Last week, you know, they want to come out and make a statement. It was the first game of the year that the kids were fired up. Uh, we'll go through the, the history here of Nick Saban. Nick Saban, guys, is 1-11. and 11. That's right. It's no typo here. Or uh, you're, you're hearing me correctly. 1-11 and 11 against the spread the last 12 games that he has laid 28 or more points against a non-conference opponent. When we compound that in to the fact and we add in the situation that uh, they are playing a conference opponent the following week, um, it's 0-5 the last five times it's happened. Nick Saban would rather beat the snot out of Tennessee. He'd rather kick the crap out of Texas A&M than he would Arkansas State. Arkansas, there's always a possibility that Alabama could win any game they play in 45-3, right? They are that good. Uh, But I'm going to go with the history here and the fact that Saban's only covered one uh, of the last 13 times. Uh, in this in this situation, I like Arkansas State, and you know the Redhawks can play. Joe, yeah, they've they got can. some skill position Justice, players. Justice Hansen, one of the b- most underrated quarterbacks. I'll say this about not covering last year against Western Kentucky. Alabama struggled. Colorado State put up twenty three on that uh, Alabama defense and covered that number as well in Tuscaloosa. Something to keep an eye out on uh, later today. I'll say this about Week One. From week one to week two is when you see the biggest progression in terms of teams, especially average teams. If you have a lackluster effort week number one, expect a better effort, especially with a new head coach. Well, how about Penn State? Yep. Not a new head coach, but Penn State. Exactly. Joe, I wish, man. Ah, I wish that that never happened last week. I <laughs> wish that, that Penn State. Uh, hold that thought, counselor. Hold that thought. We're going to get into Penn State, Pittsburgh a little bit later. We're just getting started. Stay with us for the next three hours. Coming right back at you, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Money Gabe Morenci, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Roaring into week number two, back on College Football Today, brought to you by Bet DSI, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Gabe Morenci, breaking down all the top 25 games later today and tonight. Rich, marquee battle taking place in College Station. It's Dabo Sweeney and Clemson taking on Jimbo Fisher. Hold and on, Texas Joe. Just State. like that, you're going to go just uh, right into the football uh, with them. We're not going to address the uh, the team rules that have been violated. <laughs> And well, I, I I expect more. I consider you the quarterback, the senior. I can I, I consider Rich like the senior leader on the team. I would expect something like this from Lisi. Uh, and you know, we we, we put. Why the would you expect that from Joe? I Joe is a is a professional. We're both. We're all professional. Joe's a proven here. professional. I, I listen. Here. I I cannot take responsibility for what happens at Amtrak. Not at all. At midnight, there was a delay with the train. So so I'm here. That's all. <laughs> I'm taking packed a, with winners. I got I, I got as many winners. Yeah, no, I, you better have some winners. Right, so let's get right into it. Just, just for the record, our poll. For some reason, I'm I'm leading the poll. I'm the one that's here. Well, forty nine percent said Morenci. You sound would be like the Donald Trump with your fake poll. And he's, and he's wearing the FAU jersey. So if you want to rip him for that, we already got into FAU. I deserve credit today. for this, not to, to, to get <laughs> ripped for this. Credit. Let's turn Texas A&M Clemson. I think there's a big game there's today. There's a huge game. And yeah. Debo Sweeney and Clemson taking on Jimbo Fisher. $75 million contract. It's for games like this, Rich, that Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies better step up later tonight. Yeah, but it's kind of early, though, for him to be earning that $75 million right now. I, I, I think as long as Texas A&M has a good showing against Clemson, I, that to me, it's a 12-point spread. If, if Texas A&M is in this game in the second half, Joe, 
I think that's a success for the Aggies because Clemson is far more superior. The big concern that I have, I think everybody has this concern, which is the defensive line of Clemson versus the Texas A&M O-line, which has a lot of veterans back but really struggled last year. So they can they get Kellen Mond to the outside? Can he make plays on the perimeter? Can they block for Travion Williams? Will they be able to get the ball to Jamon Osborne? That's my concern. I don't think so. These are the kind of games that Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins, this is why they came back for these types of settings. And much to your point, you're talking about a Clemson team last year, over the last three years, that is 20-3 on the road or on a neutral field site. That's an 868 winning percentage. And you look at the teams that they defeated last year on the road, Virginia Tech, Louisville, NC State, Miami, and South Carolina. They won those five games by 21.2 points per game. They are battle-tested, and I think a lot of people, Gabe, are looking at that game last year in College Station against Jalen Hurts in Alabama, where Alabama jumped up to an early lead, held on for an eight-point victory, and I think that's why you're seeing the 11.5 to 13-point number in this matchup. You know, it was standing strong at 12 for most of the week, but you're right, there's some 11.5 starting to pop up right now in Las Vegas. I'm not one of these people that's buying into Texas A&M. I think uh, this is more marketing uh, than anything else. As Rich just stated, I think it's a little bit early in Jimbo Fisher's uh, arrival here. Now, Jimbo Fisher is uh, at, at the call station to win a game like this. He's 4-4 four and four in his last eight games against these guys. But Clemson, to me, as we stated earlier, there's Alabama, there's Clemson, and there's everybody else right now. And I don't want to offend anybody in College uh, Station, but I guess I'll offend people in College Station <laughs> right now by stating... You know, all this 12-man stuff. When were they ever really that good? I keep reading all these previews. Oh, it's so difficult to go up there and play there. And it's so difficult on the 12th man this. I don't know, man. I'm 48 years old. When were they ever good? Have they ever won a national yeah, championship like when, in our in lifetime? 1946, maybe? In our lifetime, though. I know I'm the oldest <laughs> guy on John the panel. But... era, dude. They beat Duke in the well, Peach Bowl. Well, 19... Yeah, the Chick-fil-A Bowl or the Peach Bowl. All right. Back in the days of the wrecking crew, 1990, with guys like Bucky Richardson, Quentin Coriat, Terrell Buckley. I mean, that's what I look at when I think of Texas A&M football. Now, they've had some success uh, over, the past, over the past... never a national power, national no, championship no. When Reggie McNeil Not on the level and... of Texas. Let's say right, right I exactly. Mean, and he Johnny Manziel, they joined Michigan to me is one of the biggest frauds uh, in, in college college football. And you know, I, I respect Texas Texas A and M tradition and their program. I'm not, I'm not. You know, it's a great, it's a great college football tradition and program. But I just think Clemson are on on another level. I could be way off on this, but to me, this game feels like one of those. 48-14. Well, that bad. See, I don't think it'll be that bad. I think this is I, I think it's about a 14 to 17 point victory for Clemson. Yeah, I, I can I, see that. I think they have the skill position talent. This is a Travis Etienne type of a game. We could see both quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant, but it's that defense. I, I don't trust Kellen Mond. He's not a he's not a multi-dimensional quarterback. He can run, he'll make plays outside the pocket, but can he complete passes? On Clemson, where the pocket's going to collapse a, an inferior defense in a split like second. Last week, as well, you said, this is an NFL caliber defense. Right. But having said that, guys, though, I I do think if if Texas A&M is going to get to a point where they are a national championship contender. I, I think Jimbo Fisher could be the right coach. I think this is a step in the right direction over Kevin Sumlin. Yeah, when you look at his, I want to say, progression since win, winning the national championship in 2013, they've recruited top five talent. But from an offensive line and defensive line perspective, Poor. they've slipped big in time. recent years. And You're talking you about Florida that, State. Yeah, you yeah, saw, big time. That, you saw that Monday night. Now, here's the thing. Great in the call match, by you, Joe. Joe, Joe Sunday and Monday, this. by the way, Virginia Tech and... LSU, two great calls. I think people made an awful lot of money on those yeah, I was ISO on, games. I was on tech. I, yeah. I wish I got LSU right, and I knew right away I was wrong with this. I just want to bring up quickly about A&M and their program. To me, they're just not a natural SEC team. You know, they feel like a Big 12 team. They're, they're not in the right neighborhood. You know, they're, they're in the right neighborhood, but they're not living on the right street. You know what yeah. I mean? You're just right. not, they're not fitting in where they are right now. And it's an uphill climb recruiting against uh, the LSUs. you got to recruit against the, the Longhorns to begin with. But, you know, you're, you're technically an SEC country. And if you're going to play in SEC country, why not play in Athens? Right. Yeah. Where it's very successful and there's, 
Well, yeah, you know, a little bit more glamorous than than the cadets, right? You know, Clemson. Florida, etc. The cocktail parties. Yep. Right. Let's just get to the cut to the chase. The chicks, all right, the women. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And Clemson, Clemson though looks like an SEC team from a defensive oh, yeah. perspective. They were built about, as an SEC team. You're talking about a defense last year that was tied with USC with 46 total sacks. All they do is reload, and more importantly, they held opposing offenses to only 167 passing yards per game and 29 percent on third down conversions and. And when you look at this matchup tonight with Kellen Mann, he's going to have to challenge that right. defense vertically, put them into short third down situations. If they can't do that, it's going to be a one-dimensional offense for Texas. That's a great A&M. point. You know what? It, you know what it reminds me of, Joe? Clemson Auburn last year. Yes. When you look at eleven the def- sacks, eleven right. sacks against Auburn SEC team quality, and that that was a that was a really good Auburn right. offensive line. Now they're rebuilding up front. Last year was not the case. 11 sacks for Clemson against Auburn. I, I don't know if it'll be 11 guys, but I could see that type of a performance. Seven, eight sacks. A couple of those turn into picks. One of those maybe be a pick six. That's where the problem occurs for Texas a I think it's a great setting. I love the fact that we get to see these kinds of non-conference matchups, games that, that we haven't seen right. since when? Generations that we've seen this kind of Inter- a matchup. conference battles. Yeah, I love it. I love That's this kind so of a game cool at night. Pitt, the Pitt-Penn State um, as an old timer growing up, Pitt and Penn State used to mean something. Right. I mean, Hugh Green, it, right? Yeah, Hugh Green, Dan Marino, uh, Alex go back Van to, Pelt to, to the early eighties. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's, let's not put uh, Alex Van Pelt in the Hugh Green oh, because he was a Bill. That's why. Because he was a <laughs> yeah. Bill. Of course, of course, he was. Every <laughs> every mediocre quarterback was a Bill. I want to stay. I want to stay on Clemson, Texas A yeah, yeah. and M. When you look at the matchup too for Texas A and M, they're going to have to run the football consistently. I mean, they averaged in the first seven games last year two hundred twenty six yards on the ground, but against the better teams within the conference in the SEC, teams like LSU, teams like Auburn, at the end of the year. They only average 92 rushing yards per game. That's why I think it's critical for them to be aggressive on first and second down with Jimbo Fisher's play calling. They're going to need to take chances and, more importantly, put the pressure on Clemson and Kelly Bryant in a tough setting, get that home field advantage behind them. Yeah, fast start's going to be key, and that that really is going to hinge on the offense of Texas A&M. Their best weapon is Travion Williams. Obviously, he's a game-breaker out of the backfield, but to Joe's point, and it's a good one, you know, Travion Williams will be most effective when it's second and four, not second and nine. So it's going to be incumbent upon Kellen Mond and that offense to make plays on first down because if Clemson knows it's a passing down, it lights out at that point because yeah. we talk about the interior linemen, but on the outside, we haven't talked about Austin Bryant, Cleveland Farrell. I mean, this is a big boy, next level, top-notch defensive line. And, and again, if you look at Clemson over the past few years, Joe brought this up in terms of Dabo and what he's done in big games. This is a big game program. This is Alabama of the ACC. Right. They get up for these kinds of matchups, and I think they're going to love the setting that they see in College Station. Oh, and Dabo will love to beat Jimbo. I mean, he's dominated Great him point. in recent years. I mean, he got the best of him b- back in 2013 and 14 when he had Jameis Winston. Not the case over the past couple of years. They dominated in Death Valley. So we'll see. He has an M.O. on Jimbo Fisher. And yeah. I think Texas A&M... Misses two guys in particular, two of my favorite guys. You know I backed Texas A&M over the last couple of years. Armani Watts at the safety position. And Keith Ford, I think, will be missed in this offense. He was a bigger back than Travion Williams. Allowed them to move the change in short yardage situations. He's not there with that offense. And going up against a physical offensive line, that could be a matchup that you want to see play out. Yeah, I, I have Clemson. I mean, I, I, I like Clemson. early in the week yeah. I was, you know, debating. I really evaluated a lot of different, uh, a lot of different data points. Uh, Texas A and M would be tempting. It's a it's a heavy home uh, dog. You you'd like to see the Aggies stay in this game. I think once we get to the second half, I, I think Clemson pulls away. So yeah. I have Clemson by seventeen. I, I think the Tigers. Cover, and, and this could be, oddly enough, this could be their toughest game left on the schedule. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the one thing to look at as well offensively is Feaster, ETN, and Kelly Bryant last year combined for 2,100 rushing yards, 31 rushing touchdowns. His ability to put pressure on that Texas A&M defense on the perimeter, I'm with Rich. I like Clemson by 17 or more later today. Marenzi, who are you backing in this ballgame? I'm laying, I'm laying the points with Clemson. It made the list uh, of one. I've got six best bets uh, on the program uh, today. This is one of them. It is interesting to me that uh, these two teams, they haven't played since 2005. So, you know, there really isn't anything to hang our hat on. We can use the Jimbo Fisher reference against Dabo Sweeney, but 
you know, Texas A&M don't have the same athletes that the Florida State uh, Seminoles have. And FSU really were Clemson's rival over the last uh, couple of years in the ACC. I generally don't like laying points on the road, but I think that's something that's sort of overrated with gamblers. Oh, you know, we're, we're getting this many points at home with a home dog. Specifically in college football, how many times have we seen a bunch of crying kids in the stands because the home team is getting drilled? I think this is going to be one of these cases uh, tonight. I love the the SMU kids last night. Uh, Texas Christian make a big play, and they show like these sort of you know college kids. They're like, like they're shocked. It's like guys, you're twenty two point underdogs. <laughs> are you really are you really shocked that TCU just made a big play on you well, uh, in Dallas against SMU? They, I love that's I love the emotion they, of they, college fans. They though. thought Eric Dickerson, Craig James, and Reggie Dupard were coming back for SMU in that ball game, and uh, maybe they had a shot. But the we'll Pony see. Express, the Pony Express, back in the day, nineteen eighty two. Rough start for uh, yeah. Sonny Dykes down it, there. It is. He, yeah. he he looks out of his element down yeah. there. We'll see how it It'll plays take out time. later. Yeah, he'll he'll score a bunch of points. Yep. At the end of the year, look for that offense. Well, he's out of his element at Cal as well, so True. he's out of his element at SMU. <laughs> he yeah. was a good fit at Louisiana yes, Tech, I think was. is what we're saying. Yes, Rustin, exactly. Rustin is his sweet spot. Exactly. Another marquee battle is Georgia and South Carolina. I mean, this is a game that really has SEC East implications and, more importantly, college football playoff implications with Georgia possibly being a dark horse on the outside looking in uh, from some of the top five teams in the country. They sit right in the area of about three in some polls in some areas about four but Georgia's won four of the last five against South Carolina they've dominated this series by 17.6 points per game but South Carolina's won three of the last four in Columbia Georgia got the victory last year in Athens 24 to 10 but I think this game is a lot closer than people think Georgia wins but South Carolina is in striking distance all the way with Debo Samuel and Jake Bentley in this ballgame. Uh, Joe, I understand your mindset. I, I, I think it makes sense. I'm just not fully in on South Carolina. And I, I think it's a good year for the Gamecocks. What I've learned about Will Muschamp over the years is that he's at his best when he could sneak up on opponents. When it's expected, Will Muschamp's teams tend to do very poorly. And I, I think... South Carolina is a very trendy pick this week, but when I look at the team side-by-side, Georgia is head and shoulders above uh, South Carolina. I love Debo Samuel, and now that he's healthy, he could be a difference maker for Jake Bentley in that offense. But defensively, I don't think South Carolina has the horses to slow down Georgia. Jake Fromm, I think we'll see some Justin Fields at quarterback. DeAndre Swift, and those wide receivers, you mentioned Miko Hardman last week had a big explosive play. Demetrius Robertson, big explosive run for 72 yards. I just think there are too many weapons for Georgia. Georgia over its last 10 games on the road, by the way, 9-1 and one against the spread. So this is not a program a bit of juggernaut, that Rich. is spooked by road games, even this type of a setting. Because so they can run the football. It's tempting, much like A&M. It's tempting, but I like Georgia to pull away in the second half people, and cover as well. This is one of these games where in the summertime we had this game circled. You know what? I'm going to take the Gamecocks plus those double-digit points. It's sort of like New Year's Eve with your your New Year's uh, Day, your resolutions uh, for the year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then when it comes time to do it, and now now it's time to uh, to pay the check. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to put my money on the table against this Georgia team. I agree with a lot of what Rich stated here. Will Muschamp's a good coach, uh, but he doesn't win uh, big games. He more he'll surprise you as opposed to to stepping up and knocking off a top dog here. And I think we try to convince ourselves that the the underdog has everyone loves an underdog story. Everybody loves an underdog. So we, we try to convince her, oh, it's gonna be a good game, and you know, they're playing at home and it's gonna be special and this and that. I'll be honest, I like South Carolina's chances of covering the number more than I do AM. I think AM are gonna go routed. I think Clemson go in there and, and just pick them apart. I think there's there's the possibility that this game turns into a high-scoring game and they're going back and forth and it's a track meet. But you look historically, Georgia been able to run the ball down their throat. Yeah. And you've got Swift and, man, I, 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 Mike Tyson doesn't want to get in front of Holyfield uh, right now. Uh, the kid's a monster. They're so deep at the running back position. And part of me thinks, man, you know, Georgia, are they really a power or do they just have a great year last year? But, guys, you know this. and No one knows recruiting like you two gentlemen do. They're freaking stacked. They're loaded. Uh, Kirby Smart's done a good job. They're four deep at every position right now. 
I think uh, I think Georgia pull away. Didn't make my best bets, but I think Georgia no. pull away. In this well, game. I don't have a best bet either, yeah, but I, I, I like Georgia. I don't. Yeah, I'm a Georgia fan. Yeah, I would yeah. take them if I like them. I mean, the one thing I think you look at when we talk about their rushing offense with Swift and Holyfield, they rush for tw- in 12 of their 15 games. They rush for over 200. They were 11 and 0 against FBS opponents and won those 11 games by 25.7 points per game. And when you look at you look at the progression last week with Jake Fromm, Bentley completed a, around 70 percent of his passes, 22 or 29. Yards. Yeah, he's going to challenge that defense, and that's the one concern I have. Minus Dominic Sanders, can they step up yeah. against SEC well, opponents? That, listen, in that defense, game? before we go to a break, that defense of Georgia has a lot to yeah. prove. No Roquan Smith, a lot of the leaders. Trent Thompson, Trent Thompson I up think front. the over's worth a look here, guys. I yeah. see uh, BetDSI's got a, a 55 and a half. I don't have a problem uh, with, with laying uh, that number in this game. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. We're just getting started. Stay with us. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci live from Studio 34, College Football Today. Like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive Edge Fantasy Package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package promo code FNTSY. on College Football Today, brought to you by Bet DSI, Joe Lisi, Ritz, Sermonello, and Gabe Marenzi, breaking down all the top 25 games later today. Before we get into our next Pac-12 battle between USC and Stanford, Bet DSI is celebrating 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service and fast, easy payment of winnings. You can virtually uh, play every sport at BetDSI with hundreds of wagering options, including live in-game wagering on all major sporting events where you can make your play at any time during the game. Use promo code FANTASY, F-N-T-S-Y, or BetDSI is offering up to $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. So use promo code FNTSY and try it today, BetDSI.com. That's BetDSI.com, promo code FNTSY. Head on over and start winning today because we're going to have major winners later in the show. I know it. I'm feeling today's going to be a special day. One of those games, games. We're all going to do well today. Yes. I, feel, I feel good about I feel good picks. about this game. USC on the road against Stanford. Bryce Love, KJ Costello dominated San Diego State last week. 31 to 10. USC's won four of the last seven over Stanford. They've won those four games by seven points per game. Stanford won their three games over the Trojans by 16 points per game. You look at both games last year in the Pac-12 championship. USC did pick up a three-point win, 31 to 28. Earlier in the year, they dominated in the Coliseum, putting up over 600 yards of total offense, 42 to 28. I'm all in with Daniels and the crew today, and today is the day I really feel Stephen Carr outshines Bryce Love in this matchup. You're more confident than I am. I mean, this, for me, was one of the most difficult games to break down. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a barometer game for the North and the South, Stanford up North, USC down South. I do have some trepidation. I like USC. It's not one of my best bets, and and I've begun to – to sort of waffle a little bit because the USC offensive line is banged up. Three of those kids were not able to practice this week. You've got the true freshman quarterback, but I'm not fully sold on Stanford. I know based on your offseason, you're not sold on Stanford either. I think it's a good defense, not a great defense. I'm glad you brought up Stephen Carr because I agree. I think Stephen Carr, uh, I, I think the wide receivers, Tyler Vaughn, Michael Pittman, uh, Eamon Ross, St. Brown, 
I think those players could have big games against a Stanford secondary that is not a top-flight unit. So I like USC, but with a lot of trepidation. Yeah, and that's what I bring up when I talk about uh, Stanford overall, why I wasn't high on them. Last year, they lost five games, Gabe, for the first time since 2014. They lost all five of those games on the road or on a neutral field site. Now, granted, they lost those five games by 5.8 points per game, and this game is at home. But I look at that secondary last year. They allowed five of 13 uh, 13 opponents, 14 opponents, to pass for over 300 yards. They were one in four in those games. And really, they struggle with speed teams like TCU that could stretch them vertically. And even with Daniels at the helm, I think the speed of USC is the difference in this matchup. You mentioned the the game against San Diego State last week. And if you didn't watch the game, the game was closer than the final score would, would have indicated. And truth be told, Stanford just isolated uh, one kid. And I, you, know, you had to feel bad for the kid at one point. Number 27 on the Aztecs. It was just repeated pass interference uh, calls because he was getting burnt. And there was a size mismatch. You could see how big Stanford were. They were like basketball players posting up in front of the SDSU uh, cornerbacks. Plus, the SDSU cornerback, Chapman, really, really struggled last week. I was underwhelmed by Stanford last week, to be honest. And, you know, they couldn't get Bryce Love going at all. And I get it. Um, SDSU were stunting and they were throwing them, they were showing them some confusing packages. It seems as though USC's athleticism causes Stanford problems. And you mentioned it. Last year, they won both the games. But before that, Stanford had won three years, uh, three games in a row. So they're sort of, sort of a little bit of a tug of war. One common theme, guys, if we want to pick up, if we want to make money on this game, is the over. Uh, for the last five times that these two teams have played, it's gone over the number. High-scoring games. This isn't, um, this isn't uh, your grandfather's uh, Stanford team anymore. You know, it used to sort of be... Smash mouth, low scoring games. Toby Gerhardt. Yeah, they yeah. throw the ball now with with Castillo. They've got these big weapons. They, you know, they they spread it out a little bit. They can put points on the board. And defensively, they're just not as stout. San Diego State just couldn't exploit them. This is going to surprise a lot of people uh, in South Central right now because you guys are always busting my chops because you're like Marenzi. You hate the Trojans. You're always betting against them. That's because they're always laying a ton of points. And we told you you and LV would cover. I'm going to shock you. I think the Trojans are the play. I like this Daniels kid a lot. State champion. I know they underwhelmed last week against UNLV, but UNLV have some talent. So I like the... It didn't make my list for the best bets, uh, but I'm not laying five points with Stanford here. A lot of points for this type of a game. I think that's the key for me, too. This looked like a a home field three-pointer, but when this got up to five, five and a half, I don't know what the number is now. Gabe, maybe you can let us know. It's an even five, so the money's Uh, coming in on the Trojan horse right now. I I think this is a one-possession game. It was six earlier in the week. One possession game, late in the fourth quarter, flip of a coin. I say give me the points. My concern is going to be the line of scrimmage because Stanford, for all of their uh, you know sort of marginal play on defense, the offensive line is still there. Nate Herbig, Walker Little, who is an elite potential All-American. not being able to get it going last week? Because it's funny, it was almost the opposite. There was a lot of talk about the talent, the NFL talent that they've lost over the last couple of years from the defensive line. Uh, right from from Sal Thomas Phillips, to, to right. Phillips to the Bills, right. Thomas to the 49ers. People are like, man, they just don't have that big tree. Pardon the pun with Stanford. Uh, they just don't have that big sort of redwood in the middle of the line. But we saw against San Diego State, it was by committee, and they were blitzing. The linebackers were getting there. They really got a fierce pass rush going last week. Be a little bit different against the Trojans. But this is a test for Daniels. Make no mistake, it's a big test for Daniels going on the road. I think he could be up spot. for it. I mean, he, yeah. he reminds me, in terms of his demeanor, Joe, he reminds me a little bit of a young Sam Darnold. Oh, I mean, he carries yeah. himself Eatery in a similar there, way. Guys. Immature youngster. Yeah, he, he's, he's not your typical year, teenager. You're uh, early yep. in high school, right? They, yep. Come on. This that, could that be shows the maturity. guys. This could be his national coming out party because average fans don't know the name right. JT Daniels, and they probably shouldn't. He's played one game against UNLV, yeah. but again, with those receivers, with Stephen Carr in the backfield, it all comes down to line play. Is the USC line O line healthy enough? Can the USC D line get some pressure on KJ Costello? If they do, USC walks out with a victory. If they don't, then we could struggle to cover this And I've this criticized, I've not criticized, but I've questioned Clay Helton. You know, okay, he got the job because the kids wanted him to. I think that, you know, I'm not going to say anyone can recruit there, but there's obviously a very, very 
So it's very, There's a lot to sell at USC. And, 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 yeah. and basically in a surrounding area, you can put together a good team. But let's give him credit. I have a lot of respect for David Shaw, and he beat David Shaw twice last year. Yeah, he did. Was it because of Sam Darnold and because of Ronald Jones, et cetera? I guess we're going to find out. But I think it's a close football game, guys. Well, here's the thing, too, when you look at that matchup against San Diego State. San Diego State is, is the same type of version as Stanford. They want to stack the line of scrimmage and force you to beat you over the top. And that's what Costello did last week. He passed for 332 yards. Bryce Love and that offense only rushed for 50 yards on the ground, and that's the matchup. You look at Daniels. He completed 23 of 35 last week, 283 yards, one touchdown. I like his ability. Again, he's Gatorade Player of the Year. This is where I think you see Stephen Carr in the short to intermediate passing game because let's keep in mind, in that week two or three matchup last year, Stephen Carr was utilized by Sam Darnold on screen passes against that Stanford defense. So that's where I think you'll see him utilized here, take the pressure off of a, a stacking Stanford defensive line. So we'll see how it plays out. I like USC on the money line here. Let's the, not forget, USC more than 300 yards on the ground yes. last week allowed the Lexington yes, Thomas and UNLV. So. It's a fascinating game, and, and it's going to dictate a lot of what happens in the Pac-12 over the next yeah, couple of that's months. that's a great point because when you look at the 309 rushing yards, Lexington, Thomas, Armani, Rodgers, I think it's a different type of offense. It's a more spread attack. This is a more pro-style offense that's right. going to run right that's between Right, it not a lot of misdirection. Match up yeah. better against Stanford's running attack than right. they did UNLV, and, and, who were spreading and, it and out. Like I mentioned before, USC did tie Clemson for 46 total sacks in FBS last year. That's a dominant. You know who effort. could have a big game is Porter Gustin. Keep not healthy in the summer, off the edge. He, you know, he's kind of got that that Clay Matthews yeah. look yeah. about him. Porter Gustin, Cameron Smith is the better known linebacker. Right. He's on the inside, the run stuffer. But watch for big Porter Gustin, 6'5", 265, looks like an NFL star, could have a breakout yeah, game tonight. It's a 7.30 uh, kick. So it's going to be a great game. That. It's on yeah. Fox, so we'll we'll have all eyes on that ball oh, game. Oh, I hope. Is it, does that mean Gus Johnson's got this game? Oh, uh, he might. Oh, he I might have Gus. that game. I'm definitely betting the over that. <laughs> I'm definitely love, betting the over well, that. Well, <laughs> I'm going to go down to the FanDuel uh, Sportsbook uh, this evening, actually, and uh, and watch this game. Well, it should be a crazy I'm, night I'm there tonight. I'm going to be locked and loaded for this 10:45 kick because it's another Big Ten, Pac-12 battle. Michigan State struggled last week at home over Utah State, picked up a 38-31 win in East Lansing, now heads out to the desert to face Herm Edwards and the Arizona State Sun Devils, fresh off their 49-7 thumping of Frank Wilson in UTSA last week. A lot of eyes now on Herm. Can this defense step up against a big, heavy offensive line in, in Michigan State? I don't think so. I, I'll break it down like this. Three games last year, Rich, against big physical def- uh, offensive lines for Arizona State. 279 rushing yards allowed against San Diego State. 331 against Stanford, rushing on the ground. And 341 to USC. They were 0-3 in those matchups. Now here comes LJ Scott and that heavy offensive line. I can't back Herm Edwards in a big spot. I'm laying the five, five and a half, six. I'll take yeah. I'll lay seven. I want to pull for Mark Herm Antonio in the crew today. Mocking him so much. I can't take I, Herm Edwards in this. I think I'm this. ready to take the bait. Shame on me. I mean, I've been ripping Herm throughout the offseason. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He's One big victory pay. over UTSA, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm picking. Arizona State. They held them to two rushing yards. I, I know, year. and you know what? UTSA on the defensive side, at least statistically, was one of the better defensive. I know I'm pitching. <laughs> I'm pitching the Roadrunners now. It was one of the better defenses in the country last year, and with Manny Wilkins, Nikhil Harry. Uh, Harry Houdini on Utah the outside State were able for ASU. to move the ball and throw the football on the Spartans. Was it a, without their best quarterback and, and you know Scott, was it a look right? ahead. Scott, Scott's out for the Spartans, and it, it showed last week. 15 tackles for loss, nine sacks. Let me throw out a couple of his. I don't like the historical stuff too much because it's always apples and oranges and different staffs and different players, but sometimes you can't ignore it. Right. Last nine games, Arizona State, regular season against the Big Ten, 9-0. and oh. Michigan State last four years as you're shaking your head. Have you seen these numbers? No, I'm I'm okay. Michigan State, you ready for this one? As a road favorite, last nine games against the spread, one and eight. So I, I watched that game, Arizona State, a lot of speed on the I edge. Comes out of the wire, Danny guys. Gonzalez, the defensive coordinator, the, the attacking 3-3-5 unit, 
he comes from San Diego State. Those San Diego State coaches know how to handle these big games. I, I know I'm going to regret it. By 2 a.m., <laughs> I'm going to regret it. But I'm taking the bait. Uh, I'm all in on Herm. I'm, I'm taking the points. I can't. I, I, it comes down to me, the coaching. I think Mark yes. Antonio yeah. is the superior big game That could be coach. a blowout. Is and this is he? Well, he's beaten your Michigan Wolverines uh, uh, over the last few years. Who, who has I, it? Well, I'm just saying that's right. He steps up. He's won a Rose Bowl. I know. Okay, I mean, but I mean, Herm, Herm Edwards has a Herm Edwards, Edwards one. That's a blowout. As a coaching matchup, Gabe, that's a blowout. You got to admit. Where's Herm no, Edwards listen, one? I get that Herm Edwards doesn't have college coaching experience, but right. he has coached in the National Football League. It's not like Herm Edwards was a high school coach. Uh, Bill coming, Callahan was a National here. Football League head coach and went to Nebraska and couldn't win. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He was in the game. Herm Edwards has been out of the game of football for a long time. You and play I to win so the let's, game. But let's let's let him win or lose on the field before we judge yes. whether he's a bust or not. Yes, true. And the desert. So don't, so don't predict this game because because Herm has only coached one game. No, I'm unfair. saying that you can't. I I think that uh, the the game is going to be won by the talent on the field. Correct. It's not going to be won. I think because, Arizona oh, Herm, State Herm has Edwards. underrated talent. I really do. I've always thought that I, they've been poorly they coached. They played that poorly last year under Graham to close the season out. They always have playmakers. And let me throw out one more thing to you. And I, I might be too deep in the weeds here, but ten forty five start. Yes, that's ten forty five in the desert for the Michigan in the desert. Not right. to mention, so it's I looked at that as well. It's very extremely hot out for there for the kids from Michigan. Their body clock. It's going to be one a.m. Yes. in the second half yeah. of that game. Besides the heat, which is also a factor, I think about you know these ASU kids are used to Pac twelve after dark. Michigan Michigan State kids are not. And what do they say about first impressions when somebody shows you who they are? Who they are? Believe them. Michigan State might have shown us who they are last week. Yeah, I was been. not impressed. Or were they looking Utah. ahead? They do that all the time. Or were they though. looking they ahead? They do that all the time under Dan. Utah State are a good team. Too. Yeah, I think Utah State physical. are a team to keep around. Yeah. I think the matchup is going to be the offensive line going up against that defensive front seven. Now, Arizona State is going to want to get into an up tempo game and force Lewerke from to come from behind, much the way they did last week. He was shaky from? last week. Arizona. Arizona. It's a homecoming a for Brian Lewerke. Fan, I think I'm biased. You're right. Like, I'm sitting here. I'm getting fired up. I want to run to the book and just bet on ASU now. And I'm going to call you after. Home. You could call me. Hello. Call we play me to out. win the game. I was dead wrong with Louisville. I was dead wrong with Louisville. I'll admit it. I'll admit when I'm wrong. I just can't back Herm Edwards again in that spot. I look at it from that perspective. And let's look at the success of Michigan State in recent years over Pac-12 teams. He dominated Washington State last year in the Holiday Bowl. He dominated and got that victory with Connor Cook and over Stanford and David Shaw when supposedly Stanford was the better team. I like D'Antonio in this spot. I think they're able to run the football. I can't I think believe it comes that Arizona State is actually 10-0 straight up at home against Big Ten opponents. It, it, it's, it's, I it's know. True. The historical numbers are, right. are difficult it, it really to deny is. at this point. I, I mean, and how about this? Arizona State's also 4-0 against the spread um, as home dogs of seven or more points the last uh, four times uh, they've got them. So we're hovering around that number right now. I think they're going to go. Back I think forth. they'll be fired up. I, the talent is good. It's going to be an electric uh, atmosphere. This I, is, a, I mean, if they could pull off this upset, this is going to be. Well, they brought her. You guys were talking about Jimbo Fisher. This and Jan, they brought him in to win games like this. This is why Herm Edwards was yeah. brought in, right? Yeah. Saturday night, national television. If they let me down after taking the bait, I will crucify Herm Edwards on this show every single week. I will never Herm go Edwards back to used ASU. To come on my radio show routinely. Oh, so. that's why. Okay. That's yeah. why. That yeah, was well, well, settle that's down, Bobby you Bowden. Were, we you finally were, exactly. settled down. You were ripping me for Coach Bowden last week, and they didn't even Herm's play. My boy, what do you want me to say? Her, uh, so now we know Herm Edwards is his boy. So we'll see if man. I, I'll say this: in order for Arizona State to win this matchup. I don't think they could play it straight up. He's going to want to run the football. I'm not so sure you can do that against Michigan State. You know Benjamin. Front. Well, keep an eye out. Michigan State last year only allowed 95 rushing yards per game. That was third best in FBS last year. So uh, I think that's the matchup to see play out. They held Utah State to only 28 rushing yards in that matchup. Week number one in East Lansing. So we'll see how that game plays out a little bit later. It is a 10:45 start. Stay with us. We're just getting started. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Marenzi, live from Studio 34.